0: and non-binary pals. Welcome to In the Chaos, a podcast between two friends just trying to have it all. Each week, we'll share how we're dealing with the chaos of culture, politics, and astrology. I'm Sarita, Executive Director of Emerge Texas and Intuitive Witch. I blend the magical with the practical to create a better community for
1: all. And I am Cal Jack Cade. I am a semi-professional homosexual, a media strategist, a witch, and I am so happy to be here on our seventh episode now of In the Chaos. Um, we're breaking the ground this week. We've got our first guest which is so exciting. <laughs> um, She's going to be joining us for our second segment for the Meat and Potatoes, So You're stuck with us for the first segment. Um, but it's going to be a blast. We're uh, pioneering new, I don't know, new frontier for here in the chaos. <laughs> I don't know what I'm but yes, yeah, so quick preview for this episode for this week before we jump in because we got lots to get through. Um, first, we're going to get started with just... What is all this chaos happening around us? We've actually got some flowers and some joy to celebrate before we get into the (laughs) mess. (laughs) Um, And then uh, for our meat and potatoes, our second segment this week, we are going to be talking about the importance of solidarity as we bear witness to just multiple struggles that are happening across the globe right now from... Colombia to this fucking country to palestine to um to india to myanmar and all kinds of places in between um so we will actually have our first guest ever her name is akonksha um will be joining us for our second segment and we'll have her introduce herself um when she joins us a little bit later in the show and then finally we're gonna leave you with a little call to action, like we always do. So um, let's dive right on in.
0: All right, let's dive into the chaos. First, I want to start with some queer flowers. We've got many flowers to give today, and the first brand is Queer Trademark.
1: We came with bouquets, folks.
0: Oh, so many. My arms are so heavy with all the flowers. (laughs) Um, I want to start with uh, our friend, Demi Lovato.
1: Noted friend of the show.
0: Noted friend of the show. You know we fucking love them. And uh, last week, Demi came out uh, on, I think, their podcast, maybe. Yeah. Over the past year and a half, I've been doing some healing and self-reflective work. And through this work, I've had the revelation that I identify as non-binary. With that said, I'll officially be changing my pronouns to they, them. I feel that this best represents the fluidity I feel in my gender
2: expression and allows me to feel most authentic and true to the person I both know I am and still am discovering.
0: We love an N B. Friend,
1: welcome to the fam.
0: <laughs> um, in an article before coming out as non- non-binary, just talking about their like sexuality, Demi referred to being queer as being part of the
1: alphabet mafia, which <laughs> <laughs> which I've started to see more recently, and I'm obsessed with. As someone, it's so I funny. Have- <laughs> I have feelings about, like, the, because of course I do, about, right, well, not even just mafia with, like, the letters in general, like, the acronym bothers me, that's another (laughs) podcast, but I love referring to it as the alphabet mafia makes it, I can, like, stomach that, I feel like. (laughs) No, but I was so excited to see uh, Demi's announcement, they've always, you know, they've been very, um, upfront and honest the last couple of years of just like um the fluidity that they feel in like so many parts of their life. Both they've talked a lot of, a lot about it in um their when it comes to their sexuality, um, and just not being willing to like label that, letting folks know that they are interested in folks of all kinds of genders. Um, and then even in, in their most recent like docuseries, talked about, especially towards the end of the docuseries, about um you know, cutting their hair to feel like they've always wanted to and, like, feeling like they weren't able to do that because of the expectations that were put on them. Um, so, uh, just, like, really excited to see this. I haven't gotten to listen to the first episode of their podcast yet in which they actually talk about um, all their feelings about gender with Alok, who is someone we've also mentioned on this show before, but I'm sure it's fabulous. I'm going to get around to it eventually Um, but I'm, I was just really happy to, to see this on the internet last week.
0: Yes, absolutely. More of this, more of people just talking open and honestly and being loved and accepted for exactly who they are. Um, we did a gender episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, you can go back and hear all of our screeching about gender. (laughs) Um, we love a callback.
1: Sarita, how do you experience gender?
0: Oh, um, <laughs> I experienced it just like that sound. Um, <laughs>
1: that resonates.
0: Yeah. Ooh, we can do that. We have seven episodes, so
1: um, <laughs> a cons- repertoire, if you will. If uh, you will, a collection.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but sticking with this theme of our queer flowers, our love of our life, Billy Porter. Mm, God bless. Um, recently uh was open and spoke about and told the world that they are hiv positive um which is a huge thing to say publicly because even in 2021 there is horrible um just like thoughts and opinions that people have about folks who are hiv positive um i watched an interview and he was talking about it and of course i
2: cried my purpose my calling my ministry is about this conversation we're having because the world needs to know what HIV positive looks like.
0: Uh, but he was like, you know, cause the person was like, why now? Like y- you, you're as well established in your career. You're like one of our elders, like in terms of like the queer community, like why now? And he was like, because not speaking my truth is not part of my life's purpose like he Mm -hmm. talked about how like his life's purpose was to be a truth teller and to shine light in dark spaces and to just like highlight all of the nuance of the world like he was like like that's a space that I really have always just felt comfortable and like alive in and so he was like I finally reached a point where I realized that not sharing this part of myself was denying part of my purpose and so he said he told his
2: mom knew that I needed to tell my mother before the world knew I should probably do that. The plan was made and then I woke up that Friday, my last day of filming, the last day of Pose and I was writing in my, typing in my gratitude journal and mommy just popped into my head and I was like, I haven't seen her in a while, let me just call and talk to her. Not even two minutes in the conversation, she was like, what's wrong? mother always knows and i said nothing nothing and she's like son please tell me what's wrong so i ripped the band-aid off and i just told her you know and she said i love you i've always loved you that will never change
0: and then he told uh, the po- his pose family, and then he told all of us. I'm sure there were other people along the journey, but that was the story he told.
1: Oh, I just get another, um, just like a, a thing that was joyful to see on, on the internet, like on my timeline when last week felt like a, a hellscape. And when I say joyful, I think I felt a lot of joy because this was someone, you know, He talked about how he had been living with this diagnosis for, I want to say like 13 years, like for a a very long time. Um, And especially given sort of his, really, he's been... He's been in the public eye and been working for so long, but has really seen, like, we've just seen this, like, prolific rise of Pilly, Billy Porter in the last couple of years in particular with some, like, iconic fashion moments. Like, we had the Matt Gala, multiple Matt Gala moments. Like, his role on Pose. Um, just, I I felt joy, I think, in having someone like Billy Porter say, this is who I am, and yet, like, being yet another example to folks of just, like, a possibility model, right? Of, like, you can live with HIV and also... Um, do whatever the fuck it is you want, and
0: you can thrive. He's not thriving.
1: Thriving exactly, and like even thinking about his character on Pose. If you don't already know this by now, I don't pity you. I don't know how to help um, you. There's a spoiler here. Sorry, it's in season one. Get over it. Um, but he in in the show, uh, Billy Porter's character. Um, that is positive for HIV, um, Test positive for HIV
2: um, later in season one. We detected antibodies in your blood. Yeah, uh, you have to run the test again. It could be a false positive. I can assure you we ran it twice. The results were the same. You're HIV positive. I'm sorry. And
1: thinking about him, it was already groundbreaking like as a black queer man to play that role in this kind of show and like the show itself is groundbreaking but to now see him i guess step into that role in his in his real life as well as just like a person who exists um felt really special and like really powerful to me so just a lot of feelings for billy porter
0: Yes, we just we love him and we are so happy that he feels that he is in a place where that he is safe and comfortable enough to share that with the world because he does not owe us anything. Um, And like Cal said, as I, I hope that he can continue to serve as a model for queer Black folks for for folks in general who might be struggling with their uh, status or struggling to, like, wrap their heads around it. I mean, I think so many of us uh, who are compassionate to people who have... Uh, HIV or have uh, progressed into AIDS also have been, like, so fear-mongered around it. And so it's just, it's really beautiful, like you said, Cal, to just see him be like, this is just another part of my truth. This is just another part of who I am. And I'm willing to share that with you as much as I'm willing to share that with you. Um, So, yeah, love for Billy. Uh,
1: They like And also thank you, Billy, for just, like, letting us in. Like, you didn't have to do that. And... Um, this means a lot to people, um, especially people living with HIV or living with AIDS. Um, So, flowers to all of them. We've got some more, don't worry. We've got some more bouquets to toss around. Um, So much good music is happening right now. (laughs) Like, oh my god. I feel like we got to last Friday and my Spotify exploded. Um, I will say, I have not stopped listening to um, Olivia Rodrigo's (laughs) Album Sour.
3: I'm so insecure. I
0: think that I'll die before I drink, and I'm so caught up in the news of who likes me and who hates you, and I'm so tired that I might
1: quit my job. Um, Brutal, world. which is the first song on the album, punches me in the face every time. Okay, but what's your current favorite? on the album. Why did
0: you? I know. I'll give you a minute by saying that mine is happier because I am a vengeful fucking bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And just like... Uh, For a 17 year old to be like articulating experiences. I did not date in high school. I was a super nerd. It's fine. But so then like a 17 year old, like so fully articulating feelings and experiences that I had as my like in my early 20s, like when I was dating a lot. I just, like, happier, just really fucking reaches into my heart, pulls out a specific time, place, person, emotion,
1: and then it just serves it to me on a beautiful gilded platter. Yep. I mean, straight up, like, right there in front of my face. Um, Like, I can see my ex's face in front of me (laughs) while I'm listening to the song. Um... God, it's really hard to pick one, but I feel like my current favorite, changes frequently, is Deja Vu. The lyrics are just... I mean, it's poetry. It is Uh. so delicious. Like, well, and I also think about this and, like, who hasn't? Like, who hasn't? Like... Been like recycled things from relationships or taking people to the same spot or whatever. Like, I just really like this restaurant, okay? Like, right, right, (laughs) or like, this is a good view, like, sue me. I don't know. Um, but I just like. Whoa! That song just like fucking gets me.
0: But so I Friday was an emotional roller coaster for my ears because Olivia just brought me deep down into all of my feelings, and then the city girls said, "Don't worry, we got you, bitch." They said, "Get ready to shake your ass, bitch." <laughs> they said, "It's Vax, girl. Summer, never forget." <laughs> uh, and they came out with Twerka later, which is. Fucking amazing.
2: It's
1: time for the circulator. The album cover alone is so fucking good. It tells so, you everything you need to know. Per
0: Michael. It per or twerkelator samples a like electronic song called Percolator. Uh,
1: (laughs) That is art,
0: right? Right. I put on twerkelator and Michael was like, "Oh, I didn't know you knew this song." And I was like, "Why wouldn't I fucking know this?" Like you (laughs) got to. And then the city girls came on, and he was like, Oh, wait, this is like, and then, of course, I went through like the, he went through like the etymology of like the song and like whatever.
1: Uh, Of Um, course he did. Of course Michael went through the etymology of the song. (laughs)
0: Yeah. FYI, Michael is our resident encyclopedia.
1: Wow. I love that. Um, oh, incredible. Thank so you to like, the city girls for giving us this blessing, this gift. Olivia
0: brought us into the depths of our souls. Twerka mm-hmm. let us tr- transcend into yes. the heavens. And yes. then little Nas X said, Y'all bitches need a stabilizer and gave us sun goes down. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes, Which is
0: like this beautiful, like more things I cried about, <laughs> uh-huh. yes. just like this beautiful song and video of like, I, I, what I took from it was just really like him, like processing, like, Old different versions of himself that he had hoped would make life easier and personally made life harder because he was denying who he was. And then him just sort of embracing all that he is, which I mean, the man's got range. He he lap danced on the devil, and then he said, I forgive my younger self who wished they weren't gay.
1: And it's just like, okay. <laughs> While also twerking on the devil, like, get like he also got deep in that song too. Like, I mean, he, he did, really did, right. you know, like he just, Oh, I, all of this to say, like, I hope that him dropping these singles means we're about to get an album. Yes. That I can just listen to forever. I mean, he was on, hyped about it.
0: He was on SNL where he ripped his pants and almost his him. dick to the world, which low a little mad that he didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think usually people do the SNL and, like, the late night, like, right. circuit just mm-hmm. before, it's either just before or right after an album comes out. So I'm hoping this means that Vax Girl Summer will include a little Nas X album.
1: God, it's, oh my God. I think that that's what I actually need to feel alive again Like, that is Uh the final Uh piece. Maybe not the final piece. It's one of several pieces, (laughs) probably. It really, it will be very helpful, is what I will say. So Lil Nas X, if you're listening and you want want me to be kind of mentally well this summer, I need the album as soon as you can get it to me.
0: My mental health hangs.
1: (laughs) No pressure at all. None at all. It's fine.
0: So now that we've given all of our baby angels some flowers, let's talk about another flower the super flower blood
1: moon eclipse. Oof, it's here. It's a mouthful, but it's Ooh, here.
0: Yeah. The name is stupid and from the farmer's almanac. So, farmers, (laughs) let's talk.
1: (laughs) No disrespect to our farmers, though. We love Love, love our farmers.
0: I just want to talk about changing the name. I think it's a mouthful for all of us. They work so hard. We have a couple of
1: questions. First, why?
0: (laughs) First of all, who are you? (laughs) Who do you think you are? Second of all, how dare you?
1: (laughs) Third, can we make a quick change? Before Wednesday.
0: Um, The thing that's important is that this is a total lunar eclipse. Those are the words that we need to remember. Total means that the moon and the sun will fully cross each other. Which is as big of a
1: deal as it sounds like.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes we get partial eclipses and we can still see a little bit. Sometimes we get a total. The important thing about the total is it means that we are going... The sun and the moon are the two things that provide light. There are luminaries. And they are going to cross each other and create total darkness <laughs> for a hot minute.
1: That's not heavy at all.
0: Not at all. Total not darkness.
1: All. Fine.
0: Lunar... So that's total. We're going to break this down. Total means a full blackout. <laughs> Lunar <laughs> means that it you know, this is happening at nighttime and um, what normally the moon would be the thing, normally a full moon in particular, right? That's a very bright sky. Even at night, we're not going to have that. Um, and it's because astrologically, or not astrologically, but this is indicative of the fact that this lunar eclipse uh, and eclipses in general dig into the shadows. They're all about shadow work. They're all about revealing this these hidden parts of ourselves. And I know we've been like screaming, don't do magic on the eclipse. And like, yes. And we're not saying it to scare you in, like, everything's gonna be terrible. It's just that <laughs> eclipses are chaotic and mm-hmm. also draining. So, like, yes. on Wednesday, chill the fuck out, unless you're me and you're getting on a plane for the first time in over a year and a half and traveling. It's fine. Because <laughs> um, the
1: thing is, you cannot fucking hide nothing. You can't. Nothing can be hidden in a full moon, especially in an eclipse.
0: Yeah. So an eclipse, like I was saying, it digs deep into the shadow and it wants to pull out what has been hidden, what has intentionally been hidden. And the thing is, is eclipses um, happen in cycles. So we usually have three to seven eclipses in a year. Last year we had seven, as if 2020 wasn't hard enough. Um, And this year we will have four the current eclipse that we're having on Wednesday is part three of a four-part eclipse series. Um, And so what that means is the transit of the moon and the sun and the way they're eclipsing each other. This is obviously very scientific. Um, You should see
1: the hand motions she's making. They really help illustrate.
0: Is it a four-part series, basically. So this is part three of four, which means we've... All what's going to come up on Wednesday, what wants to be the medicine, the healing that wants to come up on Wednesday is something we've already dealt with.
1: So in theory, it should be easier to deal with, right?
0: In theory. So (laughs) we had an eclipse. The second eclipse in this series was December 14th. And the first eclipse of this series was June 6th, like early June. Um, So think about... What was going on in your life last June, last December, and what about your life right now is still happening? like it doesn't have to be like <laughs> it doesn't have to be like the exact same status but like um if you look at your charts if you're into charts uh this moon will be in Sagittarius so take a look at where Sagittarius is in your chart because that's going to be the area that's been lit up throughout these eclipses that will continue to be lit up for this one and then the fourth one that'll happen in June um, for me, it's my midhaven, which is my like career, life's purpose, and then it's in my eleventh house, which is friends and like social persona. Um, and Lord, have I been going through it! I started twenty twenty with like a serious friend breakup, um, Ooh, so the like <laughs> the fucking worst. Um, and then really, I mean, the pandemic. I, the pandemic did all of the, Did this to all of us. But like, you know, I had to really think about like. Who are your nearest and dearest? Like, who are the people that, like, you simply cannot go without speaking to? Um, so that's, like, the big thing happening this week. And then on Saturday... But wait, Saturday, there's more.
1: The big one. The one the we've all one. been waiting for. Bow 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 Mercury Stations Retrograde! Don't send any emails. Don't don't start anything new, sign nothing, no technology, nothing for two weeks, right? That's how this works?
0: I have to go to a wedding on the 29th. It's <laughs> yeah. not my wedding, so... They're just uh, going to
1: cancel it, right? Someone <laughs> will
0: die if that happens. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, Mercury will station retrograde! Um which we've been preparing for this, we've been having our preview, we've been mindful, intentional, taking notes, right?
1: Right. Yes, absolutely Um, right. Mm -hmm.
0: So, (laughs) the Mercury is stationing retrograde in Gemini, which is one of its home planets. Also, I can't believe we haven't said this yet, it's Gemini
1: season. Yeah, I was going to mention, here we are, (laughs) Gemini season. Welcome, folks. Woo! Gemini's High a time. fun season. It is a fun season. It's a chaotic season. Quick plug that uh, next week we will be doing a full episode on Gemini season. It's going to be fun. Um, I'll mention this at the end of the show as well. But just a quick plug because we're going to be breaking down all of Gemini season, all the fun things about it. Um, in short, go go party. Um, have a good time. Let the good times roll this Gemini season. Yes,
0: play. Gemini wants to play. Um, But yeah, Mercury will station retrograde on Saturday in its home sign of Gemini. Uh, Mercury is ruled by Gemini and Virgo. Um, The good news is, is Mercury is going retrograde in a sign that it's comfortable in. Mm -hmm. Retrogrades get particularly gnarly when it's in a sign that like Mercury cannot fuck with. So that's helpful. The not even bad news just the like pay attention to news is it's still a retrograde like cal said triple check those emails back up all your technology shit um the uh advice that channy gave our people's astrologer for the retrograde is like um just be willing to surrender um, another astrologer who I love, Emily Willis at Last Name Willis on Instagram. She was like, "It's a lot easier to deal with difficult things when you're able to just laugh about the situation. Mm-hmm. Like mishaps are way less stressful when you can just make a joke of it." And Gemini and Gemini and Mercury, they're the tricksters. Like they they love a little practical joke. They love a little kiki, a little haha. So uh-huh. like, if we can channel that energy throughout the retrograde. Maybe it won't be so hard for us.
1: Yeah. Roll with the punches when you can. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Life and is like, a little
1: more fun that way sometimes.
0: Truly. I mean, look, sometimes we have to laugh so we don't cry. Because <laughs> we don't have time to cry. Ooh, that
1: hits home. It does. Yeah.
0: But also, like, especially on Wednesday, like maybe let yourself just have a good cry. Yeah. Um, I mean, I texted Cal and John this. Quite honestly, I think the astrology this week is very lovely, despite it feeling very big and overwhelming because ultimately the eclipse is calling for release and surrender and shedding of shit that just does not serve anymore. And it's shit that, you, that wants to go away. It's stuff that your system and your body and your mind wants to get rid of. So like, just lean into that. And then Saturday, the, the start of the full retrograde is calling. In a time for us to just be able to like roll with the punches go with the flow and just remember like like we will always land on our feet um, yes. so i think that's quite delightful um yeah. and so we're going to take a quick break i'm so excited we're going to bring our first guest to the podcast on um so sit tight and we'll see you in a second
1: All right, so we are back for our second segment, our meat and potatoes. And as we noted before, we're so excited because this is our first episode where we are going to have a guest uh, join us for our meat and potatoes conversation. Um, so um, as we mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about international solidarity um, in this segment of the show Um And particularly with so many conflicts happening across the world, um, not even conflicts, struggles, liberation struggles, etc., um, we wanted to bring in another voice to help us talk through and and sort of work through these things and add another perspective. So um our guest today is Akanksha. Um Akansha, do you want to first of all, we're so excited that you are here. Yay! Thank you so much Yay! for joining us. Thank um, you for having me. Yes. Welcome, welcome. Um, do you want to just take a minute and just introduce yourself to our listeners?
3: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. First of all, I'm Akanksha Kruzinski. I'm a filmmaker, and then um, I was thinking about this. I was like, how do I want to introduce myself? And I, I decide. I settled on simp for humanity, and that's not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I love that. Yes. I think, I think it's
3: very corny, but I was like, the word "simp" has been in, in my head a lot lately, and I was, and particularly, I'm so sensitive. I feel like I'm always a, uh, I'm always a uh, simping for something.
0: Akanksha, what is your sign?
1: I was getting ready to ask.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, do you want to take a guess? Oh, simping for humanity feels like a little cancer vibe, but also, like, humanity, the collective, like, could go a little Aquarius. Um, I am a water sign. I'll say that. I swear to God, are you a Pisces?
1: Are you a Pisces? No,
0: I'm a Scorpio. I know oh,
3: that. Scorpio is, So I know where. I know where. Like the most maligned. I feel like whoever <laughs> invented the original horoscope was like wronged by Scorpios. <laughs> <laughs> I get so much hate. <laughs> and and we're I we're, I feel like we're good people. So I don't
1: know. <laughs> no, we've talked about and now we're derailed from your introduction. That's fine because this is important information. Um, score Like first of all, we don't believe in sign shaming here in the chaos um and um i will say i feel like i don't know if we've talked about scorpios on the show but i will say i have several friends who are scorpios and my philosophy on scorpios is you want them to be your friends you don't want to piss yes. off a scorpio that's that is when <laughs> just
0: be honest with them and you that's will when problems combine, arise um, and if you're not you brought it upon yourself
1: that's right you deserved it at that point
0: knowing me i will say that's true to a t
1: um (laughs) okay so love that we know you're a scorpio and a scent for humanity um is there any is there anything else you want the listeners to know
3: yeah i'll I'll tell people a little bit about where i'm from so i am originally from india i grew up in saudi arabia um which is always like i feel like it's my first sentence uh that i tell people just because i you know i think it, it it definitely uh affects who i am and how i show up in the world having grown up um Mm. in a country that is a not not super choice for women um and uh and i moved here in 2008 um and and i've been here since so yes that's my international cred (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh she's well traveled <laughs> right <laughs> no um yeah Saudi Arabia an interesting place I'm sure it won't come up in the context of this conversation <laughs> at all um but yeah oh my god yeah could do no wrong never involved in oppressing anybody mm-hmm. particularly citizens of other countries and in other places ever <laughs> So we're so excited to have your have you joining us to have your perspective in this conversation. Um and I think just to kind of like start this conversation off with kind of um a foundation here sort of what really inspired I think this this specific topic in this conversation is I think in particular in the last couple of weeks as um the violence against Palestinians has really just like continued to hit fever pitch um and with like no real signs of stopping even with some of these like tentative like ceasefire agreements and that kind of thing um a lot of folks i've especially seen on the internet and in other spaces activists and others um have really drawn and like seen a lot of parallels between a lot of the liberation movements that we're seeing right now sort, sort of like in their various forms, right? Spanning all across the world in Colombia, where um, folks are um, rising up against the government because of tax hikes and additional things that are really just, like, crushing people there and putting incredible economic strain on Colombians. Um, And then you have the military coup in Myanmar, which happened just not long ago, a country that has been um, really... um, in the grips of a military junta for years and years, um, in addition to its share of its its own other struggles um, that we've all borne witness to and the violence that's really gripped that country. Um, and then we've had, like, our own um, continued struggle for Black liberation in this country and an end to police violence. Um, and we're observing just this the way that this pandemic has taken shape in India and the COVID pandemic and what we're watching as American pharmaceutical companies like refuse to break patents to save people's lives. Um, So that is kind of like the international like landscape sort of that I think that we're working in. And um, I've just seen a lot of people have been thinking a lot about like how all of these things are like tied together um, and, for me, it is it is kind of, like, stirred up and renewed a focus on what it means for us to, like, hold solidarity, like, internationally and to understand all of our struggles as being interconnected. Um, so, I want to ask, just, like, generally for anyone and everyone, and I'm sure I'll have my own thoughts, too, of just, like, what does international solidarity look like and what does that even, like, mean, I guess?
3: Yeah, I'll jump in. Um, it's so uh, interesting to me, like how I—I uh, I can't separate how I show up in the world now with how I from how I grew up. So I grew up in Saudi Arabia, consuming American television, American media, American news. Um, like literally, our newspapers would—you know—they were in English, and they and they and they had the U.S. at uh, the forefront um, in terms of global news. Just just so I, so I grew up consuming all of this Western news and it informed very much like the local news, like how how we felt about Saudi Arabia it was influenced by uh mm. the West. And when I moved to India, I found I saw I found myself again like very much uh consuming American news in a way that it does like I don't feel like I learned that much about France, for instance. I don't feel like I learned that much about Iran. Um, but it was a very sanitized version of like it was definitely news that was like uh kind of being written in a way like it was like what the States wanted me to know. And when I moved here is when I it's, this is really bonkers, but I didn't learn about, I literally did not learn about slavery until I moved to the States. Um, And I bring this up to talk about like, you know, in in reference to like what does international solidarity look like? I feel like this country has um, the news that we get here is again, so it's so centered on the States. It's so often so centered on Western, um, nations and, and, and the globe in general, I feel like it gets so, there's like a sense of like almost being pilfered out. I really felt this with, uh, COVID happening in India because my immediate family lives there and it became very, uh, apparent how much uh human life just became numbers and numbers and numbers mm-hmm. um to to compare that with you know what we were going through last year which was also numbers and numbers and numbers but it just becomes it seems like it's very difficult to care <laughs> um for the common person uh outside of whatever's going on in their circle um and so i know i, I know uh what i've talked what i've talked about has kind of just seems like very very general and vague but when when it really comes to solidarity, I feel like it's it's impossible to separate like what we're what we're reading about the world and what we're learning about it um, from how we're feeling about it.
0: Yeah, I think that's so interesting the way that you talk about how you were basically spoon fed a very specific version of America, the America we would like to be or like the aspirational America um, mm-hmm. versus like the realities of the country and its history. And I I don't know, maybe this is naive, but I feel like that doesn't happen to such a great extent the opposite way like (laughs) um, that america and western countries in general are very very good at deciding this is the way that we will be depicted in an international space and these are the tragedies that we will share with other like i didn't we didn't stop hearing about notre dame being on fire for like weeks and i was like it's a goddamn building also, didn't they like
3: fund it, refund it like the next day? Like, didn't a bunch of billionaires? Yes, go, oh yeah, Catholics. The like,
0: I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> they there? had insurance, and it's owned by Catholics, which are like Catholicism is like the wealthiest fucking religion. They're a and, bank.
1: The Catholic Church is a bank. <laughs> like,
0: and then a bunch of billionaires were like, "We'll fix it." Meanwhile, like. People are dying. People are starving. Like, people are dying. I feel like that fucking, like fucking Chris Jenner. People are dying,
1: Kim. Like- <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it just feels like, to your point, Akanksha, like it feel like everything is just so skewed in a way that is like very much intentional. And like to your point, Sarita, I like as, like, a white person who, like, was born and raised, like, in Texas, like, in, like, the South and, like, white, white, white place um, by, like, very white parents, Um, like, I grew up with this very, like, actually really not dissimilar idea of the United States as, like, this patriotic, like, you know, city on a hill, like, democratic experiment, et cetera, et cetera. Um... And as I come into more of my own like political consciousness, like understood that like, all right, like we've done some cool stuff, but like we've also done some really fucked up shit. <laughs> like, like <laughs> it's it's really not all roses out here. And like that is that is really how we're how I was. And I think a lot of people, even in this country, are also also like socialized to think about the West and the United States and um imperial projects and colonialism and all of these things, right?
0: I will never forget. This isn't necessarily like indicative of the fact that I my my mom and my grandma taught me black history, but it is indicative of the fact of who they are as people and an indicator as to why I am the way that I am. We took a family vacation to Philadelphia and I think we had gone to like the Gettysburg like site or some shit like while we were over there. Uh, On the East Coast. And uh, in the pamphlet, there was a date wrong. And my grandmother, a history teacher, commented on it. And the tour guide was like, nope, that's the right date. So when we got back from our family vacation, my grandmother pulled out her typewriter, because this was like the late 90s, early aughts, wrote a very strongly worded letter to the museum of the Gettysburg Address, fact checked them, and then she got. A year of free admission because she was right. <laughs> My grandmother's also a Scorpio, so like, yeah, we don't lie is. to them. <laughs> don't
1: piss them off. Don't do don't-
0: it them and you just have to tell the truth but like I I see that in like whatever the Gettysburg address is all a fucking scam but like yeah like I was very intentionally given history that I was not taught in school like my mom and my grandma and like the elders around me were like yeah like You have to know about this. You have to know about that. Like, I knew about the Tulsa Massacre well before HBO wanted to put a show centered around it, Watchmen. Which, Watchmen's a great show, and I really loved it. And it's great the more people are learning about it. But, like, that was something that I knew was possible. Like, that type of massacre was possible from, like, an early age. And, I mean, America thrives on lies. (laughs) Like. And, like, creating this false narrative. And I think part of what is really beautiful about the moment that we are in now, despite all of the the chaos and destruction that's happening, is the easy transference of knowledge information and media is while as much as we like scream and yell about misinformation on the the internet there is a wealth of like good quality information that doesn't even have to do with journalists just like follow activists on Twitter or Instagram like follow people that are like on the ground that are in those spaces doing the work from where literally anywhere in the world and you can gain an insight that like the media is Going to give you in any capacity.
3: I really like what you uh, reminded me about, you know, media. Because so in India, uh, the last couple of weeks, um, or really since since COVID uh, had its second phase and went bonkers, um, folks have been relying on Twitter a hundred percent to like find oxygen for their families or for uh the community because and 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 india has put such a such a significant ban on twitter they're like going out of their media outlets are going out of their way to like uh censor um what is like our, our most i feel like democratized um avenue for information exchange it's 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 both it's both like a really, really good thing. And then it's also like uh, because I've I've been reading about how uh, that reliance on Twitter, as opposed to the government, which is definitely causing this um, has has just cut out a section of the population. You know, there's like India is extremely poor um, and a large chunk of the population just, you know, they don't forget forget access to Internet. They don't have access to clean water. So. Um, they're they're not going to end up with any, um, you know, resources uh, to to combat this this virus. And so, thinking about solidarity and how much um, that it also comes down to, like, you know, the poor are always the ones that will lose.
0: Well, we, I mean, <laughs> tale as old as time. Like we force marginalized people to undo their own oppression all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I mean, I think we saw this a lot last summer of just, like, Black people finally hitting their threshold of, like, we can't fix racism. We did not create it. We do not perpetuate it. Like, we can't fix this. And so, like, the only way that this gets better is white people for you to, like, get on board. And this applies to class two of, like, poor people. There are no bootstraps to pull themselves up by. And so until people with power and authority and impositions start to give a shit, like, Nothing really changes. And so when I think about uh, international solidarity, I also just think about international pressure and the way that we can harness uh, the pressure and power from our outside entities to, like, almost bully (laughs) places into doing things. Like, I mean, we saw this with, like, uh, in South Africa during apartheid, like, finally, the fucking U.S. started, like, placing sanctions and cutting off resources, and then South Africa was, like, uninvited to, like, all kinds of shit, until eventually the government didn't have a fucking change of heart. There are still plenty of racist people (laughs) in South Africa, but the government realized there was no way to be part of the modern world that they were so trying to cling to without getting rid of apartheid. (laughs) Um, And while I would love to be like, yeah, and we're going to have this, like, moral, like, undoing, and people are going to realize what's right and what's wrong. And it's like, no, I just need people to finally get irritated as irritated as I am. I will stop protesting happily if you will stop killing people who look like me.
1: Like it's it's actually very simple. Like, it's, right? It's, it's actually incredibly straightforward. And yeah. I love, I actually I'm I love that that example, the example that you give about South Africa, because that was only like that actually happening was only after there was intense international outcry for a sustained amount of time happened over a long period of time before there were any gains made there right um and it took an international solidarity movement in addition to the work of activists on the ground um in south africa and people actually struggling for liberation um to to start to change anything there. And like that struggle is still happening. Um like even even if there were like democratic reforms in that country, that hasn't fixed all the problems. Um and there still is like deep racism um structurally and otherwise um that really um hurts black people in in South Africa. Um and I'm I'm glad that you brought up the South Africa example too because I've been thinking about just like other like previous previous examples and like historical examples of this because um this this is not the first time like the term like international solidarity has been used for a while there are examples of movements that have worked across international borders in the name of solidarity before like i have been spending a lot of time like thinking about and learning more about the Black Panthers. And really, I've thought about this particularly when you talk about like media and how our um, our perspective has been skewed. Like for a long time, like I was, anytime the Black Panthers cut were brought up around me, a white person being taught by white people, it was like, oh, the Black Panthers were, like, terrorists. Like, they were, like, a violent, like, terrorist organization. And, like, no, that's not what they were. Um, <laughs> The Black Panthers provided... had a provided, food
2: program right, and they,
1: education. Right. They, like, fed hungry children and, like, led teach-ins. And, like, yes, there were guns involved, but, like, that was because they were trying to protect their communities from racist police forces, right? They didn't right? start
0: with guns.
1: Right. Like, exactly. <laughs>
3: I moved to this country, uh, very pro-capitalism, because that's what I thought was uh, the right way. Exactly, and (laughs) I mean, I identify as a communist now. And when I tell people that, you know, they're they're just like, oh god, like they have to clutch their pearls because what does that what does that even mean? Um, And then I give them a little (laughs) a little explanation of of what Marxism is. I mean, I think that that's for for instance, what cost Bernie. Uh, you know, his and any chance, you know, the just literally just the label of socialist because people don't know what it means. And and, you know, just going back to like pressure and international pressure like that really works like to I think like for like a couple of weeks before uh, when 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 the crisis first hit its peak in India, um, the U.S. had very adamantly uh, said that they were not going to lift the ban on exporting raw material for vaccines. Now, India only was given a certain amount of uh, vaccines that they could themselves manufacture because of the IP. But but the U.S. was very stringent about it. And then I know myself and many other activist friends, we like took, you know, took uh, we were like, OK, we're going to put our feet in lodge our feet into the ground and make a ton of calls about this. And, and we saw the we saw it change. You know, we saw them decide, oh yeah, we're because of all of this pressure, we're going to lift uh we're going to lift the ban on on exporting raw materials. And of course more more stuff, you know, more bureaucracy comes up. But it but I do think that there's incredible power in that pressure. And I and I want to compare this, for instance, with like growing up in Saudi Arabia. Like I it it broke my brain how much uh human rights um violations could be happening on a daily basis and nobody cared like nobody cared at all and then when 9-11 happened um i got again a very sanitized view of what was happening like it was like oh wait most of the terrorists were actually saudi arabian we didn't we didn't even get told that we were like because the u.s had decided iraq is uh, you know to blame we got told that while we're living in Saudi Arabia. And um, and so I think it's so wild, you know, with the, the UN not caring about what's happening in Saudi Arabia because because we don't want to talk about it. The thing about Cash pressure is everything so, around here. like Exactly. Exactly. The thing about pressure is, is just really that that's really just key is once we start learning and start informing ourselves and questioning what we've been taught, we have to start making, you know, we have to start making calls and we have to start putting that pressure. It's uh, the only way things are going to change.
0: We're seeing this here, like we are. We are nowhere near abolition. Let's be clear, but for the first time in maybe ever, major cities are actually starting to look at their police budgets, and it's uh, this is a game of inches, and we gotta <laughs> we gotta keep pressure up, keep pressure on until those budgets disappear and police disappear. But like it took literally <laughs> an entire summer of civil unrest. Not just locally or just in the United States, but also internationally as well. Public pressure, public opinion makes people do a lot of shit. And we are we are slowly, slowly, slowly starting to see the occasional move forward. And I think to your point of uh, public pressure forced some of those uh, IPs to open up and more access to resources available for India. And then a new level of bureaucracy <laughs> came in because we know that these things are multi-layered and they're multifaceted. It's not just A sign of a bill, a flip of a switch, a a decision that is made and then it's done and it's fixed. These giant fucking systems are huge. And, and they take, we've just, we have to keep reminding ourselves that like you have to keep chipping away at them because eventually they will crumble.
1: Well, and I think that you're both really getting at, like, all the ways in which all of these things are, like, tied really closely together, Um, especially thinking about, like, Akanksha, you have brought up, like, how these struggles are connected, like, across class and like also thinking about like who are the workers of the world a lot of them are black and brown who are taken advantage of because of racism and white supremacy that was created by white people and like white people through colonialism and through imperialism have stolen from black and brown people both literally like literally in terms of like stolen resources like stolen their bodies like stolen everything from them right um and i just find that really powerful in that um these are are things that our ancestors have told us. Like, like we, I think for a long time, have, there have been people who have said, you know, we not to get to high school musical here, but like, we're all of this together, right? Like we are all, like these are all deeply interconnected things. And yet, states and other organizations and entities who are threatened by that solidarity, like the United States, because of the imperial, like, power that the state has built up, silences those people, right? Like, they silence the Black Panthers through, like, the FBI infiltrating and, like, causing all this madness, like, locking up Angela Davis for nothing, literally murdering Huey P. Newton, like, in his home. Um, And it it is both encouraging to see that like this is not a new conversation that like the answers have been in front of us the whole time and also the project before us is so large because there are so many things working against us and yet look at the progress that we've made like look look where look where we now stand i guess and it it gives me reason to to hope
0: we talk a lot on this show about things being cyclical, like movements being cycl- cyclical, astrology is cyclical, right? We've been, Saturn is an Aquarius, which we've talked a lot about, um, and Saturn, this planet of rules and systems being in a sign that is all about the collective and the human experience um, and bettering that. And the last time we were in this placement was during the Civil Rights Movement in the 60s, during um, when we had the Black Panthers, when we had the anti-war movement. Um, And so thinking about the fact that, like, we've been here before, (laughs) we have done this before, But, and to your point, Cal, we have still made progress just because we're coming back to it, a Mercury retrograde, like we talked about earlier, just because we're coming back to it doesn't mean we haven't learned something before that we can apply. So I'm curious, uh, Akanksha and Cal, you two, of what lessons have been learned that we can apply now?
3: Yeah, I think that the parallels that uh, y'all are drawing are just so, so important to keep in mind. and, And, you know, when, especially when you're like, Starved for hope, which I feel like I definitely have been a lot, um, in the, in the, in, in the last month or so. Um, especially because, okay, so when I think about, I I know for, I know growing up where I did, I, we were always, there was always a free Palestine, um, argument. And I did it wasn't until I moved here that, that, that there was even any confusion about it. So I know I keep going back to the media thing and the keep going back to the awareness thing. Um, but I say all of that to say the fight for Indian independence I feel like was was very similar to a lot of the other um, movements we've talked about because it was very much a, non, a non-violent um, uh, movement led by Mahatma Gandhi. And it was, you know, we finally got the British out after hundreds of years of rule, but it was built upon very much the British separating India and Pakistan and like, and causing that Hindu Muslim, um, war, which is like Hindus and Muslims have been living in, um, in in solidarity for centuries before that, and and now uh, what we see in India is a control and a fascist control by a Hindu nationalist regime. And I feel like it just goes back to the same thing when we talk about imperialism and stuff. So um, so really, the lessons that we that, that that we have to apply is like yes, we've been chipping away. That like you know we got the British out, we got you know we 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 got um, we had the civil rights movement here, but clear you know things that. Are, we need to go much further and and we need to look at, at what we've accomplished as as hope uh, for what for what to how to move forward from here, because these 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 fights are all the same. I mean, Israel, Palestine is identical, I feel like, to India, Pakistan over Kashmir, um, which is, you know, I feel like it applies to white supremacy and um and and the, in, you know, the way that black folk are treated in this country. So I don't know. It just I feel like it all goes back to the same stuff.
0: And you reminded me of the the fact that white supremacists, imperialists, these these entities know that we are infinitely stronger, united. So rather than I mean, not always, but rather than like blatantly like having to fight both sides. They just pit us against each other. I mean, we've seen this in America, right, of how all of a sudden, poor white people (laughs) were the backbone of the Republican Party because they realized that while they actually would benefit from Democrats, they could pit them against people on the issue of race, right. on on mm-hmm. s- somehow these traditional values that popped up all of a sudden. Um, but actually, like, white poor people, our fight is your fight. Yeah, like I mean, we say this all the time. None of us are free until we're all free. But truly, like we're in the same boat, my guy.
1: Like, <laughs> I mean, to tr- to draw like another parallel here, I was thinking about this in the context of of Israel and Palestine and how like, um, like Jews are an oppressed people in this world. I mean, there was a Holocaust that murdered millions of them. Prior to that, like persecuted for centuries, for millennia, right? Um, But watching Zionists and the state of Israel controlled by Zionists driving a wedge between um, Muslims and Jews, as well as, like, separately and connected, like, Arabs and Jews, um, in pursuit of power, right? Like, specifically, like, this current conflict that is happening, like, this is about Bibi Netanyahu staying in power and not going to jail at least part of it right like selfishly that is something that is fueling his like actions here um and thinking about even the example of um that you gave about the partition of india indian independent independence and how like that caught con- the conflict between india and pakistan was like for the most part like not only um fabricated by the British, but was, like, used to pit them against one another so that white people could continue to extract resources and, like, reap those benefits. And that is a tale as old as time of, like, (laughs) colonizers everywhere. Like, they, like, look at any colony. I mean, you look at Rwanda, you look at, like, any other, like, African colony Um, That was colonized by European powers. You, I mean, there are so many fucking examples, but like it all goes back to power for me and the way that like oppressors want power and will like freely pit us against one another in order to secure it. Um, and how much damage that does, because to Sarita's point, they recognize that like once we wake up and recognize all of that, and we realize who like our real enemies are, like it's uh, it's curtains, it's over for them, um, it's a wrap, <laughs> it's a wrap, it's done. And I think about that a lot in terms of like almost the, like mind control <laughs> that is happening here.
3: It is manipulation in its most I mean it it's bonkers to really think about the the degree to you know like how much I mean I, I think it's evil. I think it just comes down oh, to Oh it is. I don't know yes. about the zodiac how the you know how, how astrology plays We're into here the for stuff, you. but like I'm just like I feel like it's just plan evil.
1: <laughs> Absolutely it is. It is like and- some Disney supervillain kind of shit <laughs> for sure
0: and we're fucking done with it and tired of it
1: (laughs) right we're done with it we're tired of it but and also (laughs) we are i mean conversations like this are happening all the time i think that to our earlier point about the internet as well like with given all of the challenges about access and like who has access to the internet who can use platforms like twitter and that kind of thing all of that to say the internet has given us these opportunities to organize in a way that we've never been able to. And we've seen that in our liberation struggle here in the U S we've seen that even in more recent movements, you were talking about those examples in India, we saw, we've seen that in other movements for liberation, you know, the quote unquote, like Arab spring, which is a loaded term all on its own. Like we saw, you know, um, um, we saw governments there like entirely like shutting down access to Facebook and Twitter and other things because activists were using those platforms to, um, to, to organize against the States there. So, um, all of that to say, like, I think there are like some really good lessons to learn here in terms of like how we are all linked and like dealing with some common enemies. Um, and that there is room for, for hope i think with like some of the tools that we have access to the conversations that were happened that we're having and like this is a continued struggle this is not a new struggle it is a struggle that we are simply continuing that has been carried by folks prior to us um but i think we're here about at the end of our segment and so akansha i wanted to make sure you just had some space to offer any any final thoughts before we wrap things up
3: well, I'm so grateful that I got to come on here. It, like really, you know, you can I think in the activism space, you can start to feel really exhausted and burned out and uh and 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 you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel because, you know, I don't know if i mean it's 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 kind of like a mirage, isn't it? like it's like it's it's a chipping away we I don't know if I'm gonna see it in my lifetime, but it is it is so comforting to be um to be able to have conversations like this amongst folks who you know, are, are, are doing it, are reading, are paying attention. And, and, and I just, I feel very honored that I got to be here and that I got to have this conversation with you. Um, So thanks so much for having me. It really, really, really helps me.
1: Oh, we loved having you Thank yeah, you <laughs> Couldn't have imagined a better, perfect, more perfect first guest um, So we're honored that you joined us um, but every- was,
3: like, My heart my, The symphony is her heart <laughs> swelling <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's that water
1: sign <laughs> There it is, we found it um, But everyone sit tight for just a sec A conscious is, is not going anywhere We'll be right back in just a second for our call to action Give us a sec
0: And welcome back for our call to action. I'm going to kick things off with our internal call to action, which, you know, is something personal, something for you, something for your feelings, usually. Um, and thinking about uh, international solidarity and how these movements are cyclical, and we've been here before, uh, we really wanted to be able to focus on the need to transfer information. So often in these uh, movements, there are a couple folks who are the leaders, right? The, the Huey P. Newtons, who either through tragedy or just time, different things happening in life, right, um, are no longer with us or no longer As involved. And that's a huge loss of information and resources and knowledge. Um, And so by doing by doing some information sharing, we can really ground ourselves in these current movements, these current moments, um, and hopefully revitalize, get some new ideas, that type of thing. So the call to action is ask someone you know about their lived experience. Um, Probably an elder, but not necessarily. It could be someone who maybe uh, immigrated and you didn't, someone who is living in uh, a different experience than you. This is not emotional labor. And here's, I'm gonna tell you how to keep it from being that. Um, An example from my personal life: uh, My therapist gave me this prompt. Shout out to Joy, uh, in talking about getting older and just recognizing new things as being different, important, uh, being important and different. Uh, she encouraged me to reach out to my grandma, who I'm close with. I talked about her earlier, the Scorpio, um, and ask her what advice she would give herself when she was 30, and specifically not what advice she would give me at 30, <laughs> but if she was talking to herself at 30, what advice would she give herself and it ended up being a really beautiful conversation about you know the different ways that she wishes she had interacted with her parents who she was close with but like didn't she spent a, she said that she spent a lot of time trying to mask the struggles that she was going to through as a single parent for to save face and wishes that she had included them in more for some strength and some support so it ended up being like a really beautiful conversation um and so it could be talking to an elder in that example it could be talking to uh again, just someone who's had a different lived experience than you and what advice they would give themselves when they were going through that moment. So uh, if it is an elder, maybe it's someone who lived through the civil rights movement, lived through a political uprising or unrest, um, whether that be here in the States or somewhere else, and what uh they wish they had known at that time. Um, the moral of the story is be thoughtful. Uh, don't put the onus on the other person demanding that they tell you a story, demanding that they give you some nugget of insight. We are listening to hear, to understand, to build compassion, not to transactionally like get stuff from someone. Um, so think about the questions that you're asking. Think about the person that you're asking and in short, just don't be a dick about it.
2: Like
0: (laughs) we are this is uh this is us building, becoming better simps for humanity, really uh getting to know more about our fellow folks, past experiences, what lessons have been learned that we can apply now, but most importantly, connection. So like don't be a jackass. And if you are, we'll find out and we'll bully (laughs) you about it. Uh and then Kongsha, I'm gonna throw it over to you for our external call to action. I love that.
3: Uh Thank you. I'm going to uh talk about my friend's fundraiser that she's doing to raise money for kids in India who have been orphaned due to the COVID crisis. There's thousands of kids. Um we were talking about the poverty uh uh you know, the rate of poverty in India and there's thousands of kids who have la- ha- who've lost their parents to COVID. Um and these kids don't have anywhere to go. So the easiest way to do that would just be um if you follow me on Instagram, it's a link in my bio. This is this Thursday night. Uh, it's a Zumba fundraiser organized by fellow immigrants. Uh, and the suggested donation is $20. It's it's fun. You get a Zumba class out of it. And you also get to help a great cause. My Instagram is uh, instagram.com slash Um Yeah. thank you I I guess I'm also getting follows out of this so it's also selfish like all of my (laughs) simping for humanity really is about me
0: (laughs) it's perfect because we were going to ask how can the people find you thank you see the thing with Scorpios is is we
3: you know maybe we earned the reputation I'm not going to speak on behalf of others I'll just talk about myself Um, (laughs) the simping comes it only makes me feel better so that's why like it's all about how I feel um (laughs) It, it is. But yes, uh, so that's two birds, one stone. I'm on Instagram as this human here, uh, which my mom tells me I should change because she's like, what does this? It's confusing. <laughs> it doesn't
1: help you could anymore. be whoever you want on the internet. That's the fun of it. Truly. Right? <laughs> I'm sure I. <laughs> yes of course <laughs> um I'm also I will I'm gonna snag this link from your bio as well and like make sure it is on my socials too so See? that right I spread that love um but yes Akanksha, thank you so much for joining thank us you. once again it's been a blessing um Sarita where can the people find you on the internet?
0: Uh, you can find me at Sarita Fonta S-E-R-I-T-A, F-O-N-T-A, on Instagram and Twitter. You can find my website, Sarita F, S-E-R-I-T-A, F as in Frank, Cal, where can the people find you?
1: They can find me on the internet, mostly shitposting on Instagram and Twitter, at Cade. There's usually some yelling involved, especially on Twitter as well. Um. Don't find me on Facebook. I've told y'all before. I'm gonna repeat it. Don't do it. Um, this has been a blast. will oh, plug for next week. I said I was gonna do the season eight episode, and now I'm gonna do it. Um, we uh have recorded a special episode for y'all um about Gemini season to ring in Gemini season. Um, so we will be talking about all things Gemini season and also talking about some of uh I'm gonna say some of our most favorite Geminis, um, both at their some best. Iconic. Iconic. Geminis. That's a good way to put that. Um, some iconic Geminis with both both at their best and at their worst. Um, so make sure you tune in next week for a very fun special episode. Um, but until then, we'll see y'all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.